There's a lot of comfortable people in the church. You know, they say 20% of the people in a church do 80% of the work. So that means there's 80% that are really comfortable that just sit back and do absolutely nothing. You know, I hear all the time, like, hey, why don't you think, you know, it's like, hey, you got the same. When you look around, if you show up to any kind of church event we do, it's pretty much the same people showing up to set up, tear down, set up for the next one, tear down, pack it away, come here, sweep, clean, do all that stuff. And, and then there's the few that you don't see showing up for the help. There are a lot of comfortable people in the church. In today's message from Pastor Mark, he encourages you to get involved within your church. Oftentimes, there is a good majority of the same people that volunteer to help meet the church's needs. Typically, the same people that help set up for an event are the same group of people that are helping to tear down. When this happens, it's easy for those people to start to feel worn out. The church is to be a body of believers, which means in order for the church to function well, it needs all sorts of parts contributing to keep it healthy. Be active in your home church. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in 2 Samuel chapter 19 for today's edition of Come Alive. You think about what Mephibosheth is a type of or what he could represent. Well, he's a type of redeemed sinner. Think about it. When David became king, he was hiding from him thinking that the king would have him judged and killed in Lodabar in a place of nothing. He had nothing. Yet he was exalted because of the merits of another, his dad Jonathan because of a covenant that was made with his dad, Jonathan. And and he is told all will be restored to him. Sound familiar? Everything will be restored to him. In 2 Samuel 9, 9, he is given a glorious inheritance. While the king was absent, Mephibosheth lived a life of self-denial all the way down to his toenails. He didn't trim his feet, clean his feet, or trim his toenails. He was subject to persecution and slander by Ziba. You and I are subject to slander and persecution by others who, when you tell them you're a Christian or you start to really, you can say you're a Christian and most people are like, yeah, yeah, that's cool, so am I. But they don't live like one. And you really start to live like the Bible tells you to live, denying yourself certain things and and freedoms, unlike the world. And, And then they start asking, well, what's wrong with you? Oh, you're on the other side. And they start telling other people like, oh, this guy, man, he's gone off the deep end. I mean, he goes to church on Sunday. And he sings songs that, well, they're not on the buzz or any of the other cool stations. And he actually reads his Bible. I mean, it's just not in the dashboard. He actually picks it up and reads it and then puts it back in the dashboard. There's nothing wrong with keeping it there if that's a good place to keep it, as long as you use it. And so Ziba, he's the slanderer of this guy, Mephibosheth. And so he rejoices at the return of the Lord and King, Mephibosheth does. I think he was looking forward to it the whole time. I can't wait for the king. One day the king is going to return. He's going to win. He's going to come back. He's going to rescue me. And we as Christians, don't we do that? Don't we do that? We should be caring and we should take his example and care little about the material things and start looking towards that second coming. 
living in exile from the king, he was remembered because of a covenant. David and Jonathan had made a covenant. If you're taking notes in 1 Samuel 20, you can look at that covenant. See, you and I are going to be wronged, and we're going to be rubbed the wrong way, and we're going to rise up, and we're going to say, is that fair? That's not fair. Is that fair the way you're treating me, or is it fair? I mean, when you really think about it, is it, is it really fair? Is, see, we had nothing before, really nothing before, and you see, all we want to do is enjoy the power of the resurrection, but none of us want to find themselves in the fellowship of suffering. We all want the power of resurrection. Oh, yeah, and we want like those verses that talk about abundance and doing all this. But do you know every time I read those verses in context, there's something that we must do? There was a verse I was reading the other day, and somebody had quoted it, and I went to look it up, and it talked about standing before kings, and it talked about kind of like working and stuff. And this guy was referring to it in this little business meeting as, standing before kings, and you know, if you're here, you're going to stand before kings, and that could mean management, you know, and so he took some Bible verses and kind of flipped them around to say what he wanted them to say, and I kind of understood it was a business meeting, it was a motivational speaker, yeah, but in context, as I looked it up in my Bible, well, one of the people sitting next to me was like, what are you doing? This isn't church. I was like, I'm looking up this verse, and I said, oh, look here. That guy forgot to mention how hard it's going to be. He made it sound like it was real easy. Of course it's easy when I go to each of you and go, look, each of you need to pay $100 so I can talk to you and tell you this stuff that this guy just yanked out of a Bible. His whole song and dance was from Scripture. He just didn't say it was from Scripture. And everybody's sitting there going, oh, yeah, that's good. I'm going to write that quote down. And I remember, I was like, where did I hear that before? Proverbs, Proverbs. And I started looking it up. And I was like, it's amazing what you can do with Google. You just type in a bunch of people's quotes, and they sound all original. And it's like, Man, most of them came from Bible Gateway. You know, that was the first thing that popped up. I was like, wow, this guy's original. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And he's trying to sell us this $125, we're going to make you better salespeople. We're going to make you better businessmen. We're going to make you better. I was like, man, God does all that for free. He doesn't charge me. He just asks for my life. And you might say, well, that's a big price to pay. It is. It's a huge price, but it's all about you and it's all for you. So you can exalt and glorify him. And so, again, we're going to be rubbed the wrong way. We had nothing before, and and we all want to have that power of the resurrection, but nobody wants the fellowship of his suffering. Paul talks about that. Philippians 3.10, if you turn there real quick. Look at Philippians 3.10. It says, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. And now we could read that and say, man, that's a powerful verse if we stopped at that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. If we just stop there, but we leave out the fellowship of suffering. We all want to have and claim those precious promises, but what about the being conformed to his image? Well, what about that part? Because that's what we're supposed to be and transformed. What about those hard spots in life that are supposed to be doing just that? When we run into those bumps and those walls and those big mountains and hills that we have to climb because we're supposed to be doing just that. That helps us strengthen those spiritual muscles when we get there. Being conformed to the image of our king happens through a season of suffering. And so suffering means you're going to be wrong. It may mean that you're going to be cheated. It may mean that somebody's going to say mean things to you. Mephibosheth and Zeba were of the same household. They they lived in the same palace, so to speak, together. Yet lawsuits between Christians and lawsuits between family happens all the time. I was amazed when I saw that. 
And just whatever they want, he says, Mephibosheth, just whatever Ziba wants, let him have it. Man, I got you, king. Can we say that? Hey, man, whatever these people want, man, just, you know what, take it. Now, there's a part of that where it says, don't be crazy with it. But if somebody's coming after you and they really want it, what's Jesus say? If you're giving them your coat or give them your sandals, and if he wants to only go one mile, walk two miles. Tell him to go on a second mile. Give it to him. If they punch you in the face, if they hurt you physically, turn the other cheek and let them do it again. Now, that doesn't mean literally take physical punches, but it just means, hey, you love your enemy. Whatever they want, whatever he wants, let him have it, David. I don't care. I got you. You're, you're Jesus. You'll guide and you'll direct me. Now, there are those times where sometimes God may say, no, 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 you don't have to give that up. You might need to stand and fight for what belongs to you and what is right. But, but it needs to exalt and glorify me. Now, if you just want it for you, just so you can hoard it, and we read in the Gospels about a man who built barns to keep all his stuff. And what happens to him in the end? He gets toasted. God's not pleased with him because he hoarded all this stuff, didn't exalt God, did it all for himself. And you might say, well, Pastor Mark, I worked hard for it. I worked really hard for it. Well, it isn't yours anyway. When you think about it, it isn't yours anyway. It's all from God. Because if you say, I worked really hard for it, and I'm trying to save it, and I want it, and I need it, and I want to hold on to it, then Jesus really isn't enough. It, sometimes people have that philosophy of it's Jesus and my stuff. Jesus and more of. I mean, we should be working, yeah. We need to work. We need to do the right things, but we also need to be able to say, hey, you know what, who, who do I have enough? Or am I building my barns larger? Mephibosheth said it right. He, he was stoked just to have his king back. He was good enough. I mean, Jesus, for us as Christians, we can say the same thing. We should be happy just to have our king. Nothing wrong with stuff. Nothing wrong with having nice stuff. But are you hoarding it? Is that your idol? Is that your God? Is that what you're after? If somebody crashed it or scratched it or tore it up, or would you sue them if it was another Christian? What would you do? Look at verse 31. Verse 31 says, In Barzillai... That's not a giant monster that goes around wrecking Tokyo or anything. Barzillai, the Gileadite, came down from Rogalim, and he went across the Jordan with the king to escort him across the Jordan. Now, Barzillai was a very aged man, 80 years old, and he had provided the king with supplies while he stayed in Mahanim, for he was a very rich man. And the king said to Barzillai, Come across with me, and I will provide you for you while you're with me in Jerusalem. But Barzillai said to the king, how long have I to live that I should go up with the king to Jerusalem? I am today 80 years old. Can I discern between the good and the bad? Can your servant taste what to eat or what I drink? Can I hear any longer the voice of singing men and singing women? Why then should your servant be a further burden to my lord the king? Your servant will go a little way across the Jordan with the king, and why should the king repay me with such a reward. Please let your servant turn back again, that I may die in my own city near the grave of my father and my mother. But here is your servant, Chimham. Let him cross over with my lord the king and do for him what seems good to you. And the king answered, Chimham shall cross over with me, and I will do for him what seems good to you. Now whatever you request of me, I will do for you. And then all the people went over the Jordan, and the king had crossed over, The king had kissed Barzillai and blessed him, 
and he returned to his own place. Now here we see this guy who, unlike Mephibosheth, is not so content as he is comfortable. When you think about it, he's not as content as he is comfortable. I mean, he's, it tells us he's rich, he's wealthy, he's got everything a guy could want. So we see on one hand a guy who says, man, I just need Jesus. And we see on the other hand this guy who's very, very comfortable. He says he can't taste, so he wouldn't know dog food from a T-bone steak. His ears are ruined, so it would all be the same to him. It wouldn't matter if it was hail on a tin roof banging and clinging or somebody in an orchestra really playing some fine music. He would not know the difference. So again, there are some today in the Christian faith who are content with the king's return. Hey man, I'm, I'm stoked that all I got is Jesus and they're happy just to love being around Jesus and around Jesus' followers. And then there are those who are like Barzillai who say, man, I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool with Sunday church and, and anything above and beyond that is for the young ones. I mean, you know, after church, I don't, I don't want to go out and help wash cars. I don't even want to put the hose out. I'm, I'm cool with just showing up here, hearing a message, and maybe grabbing a coffee and a donut. That's about as far as I want to go. And then I want to jump in my car and I got a cool place to go because I, I'm going to go eat lunch. And then when I get home, I, I, I sit and rest and that's, that's Christianity for me. Barzilla is 80 years old, he says. And when I think of that, when I, when I was reading that a couple of weeks ago and reading about this guy, I was like, man, 80, that's pretty good at 80. I mean, he's still up, he's still kicking, he's still able to walk a little ways. And, and as I started to really chew on that and think about that, I began to think of somebody else that was an old dude that is one of my favorite people ever in the Bible. And it's a guy named Caleb. And when you think about that, when you think, and say, man, is 80 too old? Take a look at Caleb at 85. Uh, I'll give you a verse, Joshua 14, 7. Caleb says, he was 40 when Moses sent him to spy out the land, and now he is 85. And he says he's ready to take the mountain compared to Barzillai, who's ready to go home and eat dog food or baby food or whatever his teeth can handle if he's got teeth, and just sit in a chair and relax and rest and do nothing. Oh, I'm too old. You young whippersnappers, go ahead and enjoy the kingdom. I'm comfortable here, is what he tells David. I'm totally cool. Just, you know, man, I'm just going to, I'm good. He's thinking, man, you know, going back into the kingdom, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of work to be done. Man, I've paid my dues. I've got my fortune. I'm going to go sit in my lazy boy and relax and become a lazy boy. And so, you don't have to be 80 years old to get comfortable in the church. You can be 20, 30, or 40. There's a lot of comfortable people in the church. You know, they say 20% of the people in a church do 80% of the work. So that means there's 80% that are really comfortable that just sit back and do absolutely nothing. You know, I hear all the time like, hey, why don't you think, you know, it's like, hey, you got to say, when you look around, if you show up to any kind of church event we do, it's pretty much the same people showing up to set up, tear down, set up for the next one, tear down, pack it away, come here, sweep, clean, do all that stuff. And then there's the few that you don't see showing up for the help. And hey, they partake of the food and the fun and the cool stuff that we do, that we want to do. And, and, but there's, you know, some of those don't do anything. They just want rest. They just want someone else to do it. They got that attitude. Oh, you know what? Somebody else would do it. I, I, why? I, I've paid my dues. I, I actually tithe. I tithe more than 
And hopefully we don't have that attitude. I don't think anyone here has that attitude. So when the king returns, when Jesus returns, well, you narrow down your experience of Jesus to I come on Sundays and I show up on Wednesdays and then, you know, I got lunch and a little bit of fellowship and on Wednesdays, well, that's, that's my Christianity. I just do the, the basics. I, I know most of you know that that's not Christianity, but for some people, they think that it is. That Sunday and Wednesday and a little bit of fellowship before and after is really their Christianity. And then they go home and sit in the air conditioning under the fan and watch whatever they want to watch. See, Brazil is passing it along. Yeah, that's a great thing. He's passing it along to the next generation. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need to do that. We need to pass those responsibilities on to the next generation. But he's not experiencing it. He's going to miss out because he's going to walk back and he's like, I'm done. I was talking to somebody this past week. And they were talking about this Baptist church. And, and they said, yeah, you know, we've supported these guys and we've done everything we could and done all this stuff. And it was another church that totally paid for a plant not far from here paid for a church plant. He says, you know, the people don't do anything. They don't go out into the neighborhood. They don't reach out to the community. And they got this building. They got this land. And we don't see anything happening here. So we're going to take it from them. We're going to repossess it. And I was like, whoa. I mean, at first you're like, well, that's kind of cruel. Where are these people going to worship? Really? Here in Katy, Texas? You can swing a dead horse and hit a church. You really can and if you've ever tried to swing a dead horse, you're not. I mean, you just have to walk about that far and fall over and be like, oh, look, a church. And so, because those people didn't do anything. And I said, well, what's the average congregant's age? And they're like, and anywhere from 20 to 60. And I was like, man, it's not growing. He's like, it's a dead church. We're about to put a fork in it and say it's done. I said, okay, well, when you do that, let me know if the price is right. Maybe we could rent it from you. But that, you know, that's pretty harsh because they'll be watching us going, you know what, we could probably sell this because this subdivision wants to buy that land and build houses. Either we profit the kingdom or, hey, let the, let the church profit. They'll do it. Their church is growing. They're doing what they need to do. They could use that money to further the kingdom. But it was just one of those things. It's like, wow, hopefully we aren't those people. And so Brazil, I decided to go just a little way with the king and then return to his city, to his house, to his stuff. He was comfortable. So this guy, like many of us today, just want to hang out with their stuff. Oh, we'll do a little and we'll go a little ways with our king, but not many go the whole distance. Not many want to go the full distance. They have great ideas and they start, but yet they don't finish them. So Brazili wants to return to what he has made, to the things he kind of created. The Lord blessed him and he got all excited with those blessings. Sometimes we do that. Uh, the Lord blesses us, and all of a sudden that blessing becomes the thing we work for. It becomes the idol instead of remaining the blessing. And so he passes up a chance and an opportunity for blessing because, well, any number of reasons, and we don't want to be that guy or that gal. So don't miss out on what the king has for you. Just cross over. Don't say, I'm too old. I want to taste the kingdom because Joshua at 85, man, he's like, I want to climb that mountain. I want to conquer that mountain. That's mine. 85 years old, this guy still got it in him. Look at verse 40. It says, Now the king went on to Gilgal, and Chimham went on with him. And all the people of Judah escorted the king, and also half the people of Israel. Just then all the men of Israel came to the king and said to the king, Why have our brethren, the men of Judah, stolen you away and brought the king, his household, and all David's men with him across the Jordan? 
So all the men of Judah answered the men of Israel, because the king is a close relative of ours. Why then are you angry over this matter? Have we ever eaten at the king's expense? Or has he given us any gift? And the men of Israel answered the men of Judah and said, we have 10 shares in the kingdom before we also have more right to it than you. Why then do you despise us? Were we not the first to advise bringing back our king? Yet the words of the men of Judah were fiercer than the words of the men of Israel. Now this, you, you got to kind of laugh at this because if you were with us, you just missed a war. Uh, what's going on here? It's a little like denominationalism when you think about it. We got more of the king. No, we got more of the king. We do more of what Jesus does and we're more biblical. Really? Really? We're going to divide over those silly things? They fight over who has more of the king. Just a few weeks ago, they were fighting against the king. Israel was. The guys with the big complaint, they were fighting against the king. And now they fight for who's going to get most of the king. So one side says we have more tribes. And the other side says he's our relative. We're related to him. And they begin to bicker back and forth. It could be like, well, I was a Calvary guy for however many years. And and this is how we do it. Yeah, well, I went to so-and-so's Calvary, and this is how we do it. And we, we sing Jesus' name around, you know, and, and we do all this, and we're all about him. And then you hear another guy like, yeah, but we, you know, Jesus is, he's foremost, first and foremost in everything we do. And we end with a message about how Jesus saved everyone every single time. And, and we begin slinging Jesus' name around like cheap hash at Waffle House. And you just start throwing his name around like, well, you know, we're closer to Jesus. We're clo-. Man, it's okay. Well, we don't want to argue over that stuff. So what do we see here? Well, some like Mephibosheth are content. Others, like Barzillai, are too comfortable. And yet there's this last group that are contentious complainers. Uh, nothing's ever done right. If they would just do it this way or would be... It would be more blessed if we did it this way. Or no, 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 it'd be more blessing if we just stuck to this way because that's the way we've always done it. And we have these problems pop up. You know, the question would be today for communion, which camp are you in? Which camp are you in? When you come up and get the elements, I'm going to ask you right to your face, which camp are you in? And I want you to answer. I'm just joking. I'm not going to do that. Some of you are like, oh, no, man, I'm really probably going to at church. I've got to answer truthfully. I'm in the comfortable camp. I'm in the contentious camp. I'm not going to ask that, but I want you to ask yourself that. I want you to just really bow your hearts and ask the Lord to show you which camp you're in. Every time we create a new edition of Come Alive, we have the privilege of sharing the Word of God with you, our valued listener. Have you been touched by the Spirit as you've listened today? If so, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a quick email at info at comealiveradio.com. We'd love to meet you, too. If you're in the Katy area, come join us for our Sunday morning service at Calvary Chapel Katy. We meet at 10 a.m. to dig into the Word with Pastor Mark, worship our loving and powerful Creator, and get to know each other better. You can find out more about us at comealiveradio.com. Before we go, Tracy wants to tell you how you can partner with us here at Come Alive. Thanks, Chris. Each edition of Come Alive that you hear has been professionally produced to minimize any distractions from the message of hope only God can bring. 
While we offer this program for free to our listeners, there are costs involved on our end. Would you pray about joining us as financial supporters of Come Alive? Any and all amounts are useful and so appreciated. Find out more at comealiveradio.com or you can text a donation to Calvary Katie at 77977. That's 77977. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. Thanks, Tracy. We're so glad you joined us today. Pastor Mark will have more to share from this study in the book of 2 Samuel. So join us again for Come Alive. From slaves of